0: still in the studio working on music too?
1: aren't i always in the studio working on music that nobody buys okay okay whoa whoa holiday, wait hold on hold on
2: holiday.
0: hey hey Rally fans,
2: scandalous. <laughs> It's Raffy. It's Nunu Parish, y'all. And this is Wait, Don't, Don't Do, Do it. it. The show we tell you to wait. Subscribe.
1: Subscribe
0: so you can see our holes. <laughs> No, no, no. So we're gonna start calling like our three listeners that listen to this damn podcast our OnlyFans because like there's Screw only me. three of them. <laughs> and it's hilarious. I think it's funny. So don't be gagged if you start seeing wait don't do it and then we start calling y'all the OnlyFans. All right. So thank you to all the OnlyFans who have
2: subscribed to this podcast so far. We are here to produce content that is not only intriguing to your mind
0: but your body. And just culturally relevant, funny and witty, and just shows you a little bit of everything that we kind of make fun of. So, right while now. you're in the bed or alone
2: doing a do, put away on podcast and we'll be thinking of you.
0: Anyway, so you can tell
2: we're in a playful mood.
0: Yeah, because we're talking about art and childhood and kind of having fun with art and not being limited through self. Self doubt and insecurities with your heart. But also representation.
2: Obviously, there's been a lot of uh, rhetoric about representation matters, and I don't know if we've seen any major changes, honestly. I mean, recently we just had the Golden Globe nominations come out, and they were just all white, mm-hmm. mostly.
0: And I think we're stuck in this thing where we are talking the talk, but we're not walking the walk. And I think it's because we no one wants to take the initiative. And also people would have to white people, the people that are running this shit would have to start um, like entertaining, watching not themselves. I don't think they're willing to do that. Right, because, again, why would you have to if you didn't have to? Right. But I would argue that when that happened, I think we talked about this earlier in the podcast uh, with the Golden Gold nominations, why do we care? I don't care. You know why I don't care? Because this is a white-funded event for white people. It's been that. And, again— We, I see a future. The only way that I really do see us taking charge of our narrative is actually taking charge of our narrative. Taking our network seriously. Investing in our network.
2: Look, we all know that we all can see each other in one story, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's about storytelling, it's about direction, and it's about connecting with the human soul, essentially, but we have to be conscious of who we're putting in there. We're still seeing white leads, white leads, and more white
0: leads. It goes into allyship. It has to, like, like our previous episode, um, I noticed that sometimes I've kind of fallen out of people because... They talk they, again. They talk the talk, but they don't walk the walk. You can't say that you're for diversity or that you're not racist and then only hang out with white people and only watch white narratives, right? Absolutely. Okay, because um, because you said this, I was like, no, because period. period, period, because that is coming from an inherent racist place. If you're not looking for. Um, for diversity in your spaces, if you're not looking to, if you don't take a certain form of entertainment seriously because it's black or brown or anything else, then you, you're therefore it are, can be racist. That is a racist moment. Absolutely, and that's I don't we, think mainstream wise that's called racist.
2: We have absolutely, as people of color, forced ourselves to understand the white narrative. We just learn how to yeah. see ourselves throughout whatever is going on. Yeah, but
0: they haven't. They, and that's what scares me is that since they haven't how will that ever start?
2: More representation in media and artistic expression we have to look at not only just you know, who's the biggest actors actors, but who are the directors who are the writers who is in the room and behind the scenes creating you know there was mm-hmm. that whole controversy with RuPaul remember? During, oh yeah 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 that oh, moment during the Emmys
0: when. well asked, tell them what happened
2: during the Emmys uh, when <laughs> <laughs> asked about um his production staff being mostly white, um, Rue kind of you know dismissed it, saying you know a lot of people in color are on stage, like I'm here blah blah blah. But it kind of neglected the I you know the narrative that people kind of color need to be in positions of power to grow and to spread in the industry. Having one actor does not lead to more. Yeah. Uh, actors, essentially. We need more people in the production stages.
0: I think that's a perfect example because I think so many times they're like, oh, RuPaul can't be racist because he's black. Or uh, why, uh, the whole Sasha Velour thing and the... Who else got robbed? There's so many of them, like, we got a lot of them. And the Monet thing that was shady with the double win. I just... Or even the Monet thing with the double win. Uh, you can't cancel out because... Also, people of color aren't perfect people. When you have had to learn the white narrative and the white like, emotional process, you therefore start taking that and internalize that yourself. There are plenty, I mean, if I see another famous person, a co- queer person of color with their white boyfriend, I might lose it. I mean, let's be real here. Let's be real here. I'm just going to be very transparent at this point because we have to talk about it. Why do we got to talk about it? We, we can't ignore it. We can't ignore it. We cannot ignore the fact that there are—we've so, we, talked about it in the podcast before, but I've just noticed that, especially in this area, in Washington, D.C., the men that I'm trying to hit—because, again, I'm trying to veer away from white people, as of as, as my population of dating-wise, at least for now, because I've only had white boyfriends, and it's just I have Spanish-speaking parents. The culture is completely different. And again, I don't feel like educating a relationship the entire time. So, and that's true. That's a thing. So it's frustrating because I feel like every person I pursue that's of color has a white boyfriend, only hangs out with white people, or does, or only, like, dates white guys. You know what I'm saying? So for those of
2: you who don't, you know, fully know the context or kind of this idea um Obviously, there's the argument that, oh, you know, you should be open to all things and, you know, there's no color when it comes to love, which is for the most part true, except for when it, there's a imbalance, right? Yeah. So what happens is, and we both experience this, um, what happens is you're a person of color, you're queer, you're usually the only one, um, and... Because media, it's so important, there's a white representation of gay people, so that is who you naturally yeah. go for, um, and you become assimilated to their ways, what is palatable for them, what is seen as, you know, a safe person for them, and you stay around these people, and so yeah, these people of color end up with white men, especially as your celebrity status rises, you know what I mean? Obviously. Yeah,
0: yeah. that's what I'm noticing. Again, But again,
2: in Hollywood, in media production, if you're the only one and everyone around you is a lot of white gays, then you probably would only be around
0: white I think gays. it frustrates me because it really makes me feel like am I going to have to end up with a white man? Or, because like I said, my largest population that's attracted to me right now is white men. And that's just a funny fact. That's, the, that's what that's why I've been getting pursued by mm-hmm. white men, and I think I've gotten so used to curving them that even when I finally have that one odd black guy that hits on me or Latino guy, I curve them too. It's like it's really hard to navigate it's a the cycle. cycle. It's a cycle. It's completely a cycle. And I know we're veering off art, the artistic process. But it, like I said, we need to start addressing these things. We need to stop saying... But well, that's also what's in media, right? If yeah. you look at what's progressive for gays, it's like, ooh, look at that interracial
2: gay couple. Yeah. they just like, you know...
0: Yeah, two. we gotta stop too with these, these interracial... I used to think, like, oh, interracial couples are so great. Yeah, that was...
2: I'm trying to tell you, in the gay community, that is what earns you points. If you're interracial, that gets you, like...
0: I thought about that back then. I was like, oh, yeah, no. Me yeah, everyone me, did. Me and my ex were interracial. Exactly. And so, like, we're progressive. No, I. Was was uh patching up that white obsession that I had and he just needed somebody that he thought that he could empower. Um so so that's true though. That's true. Um so yeah, back to the topic. It's your man that we talked to, Prince, an oh, artiste himself. Oh my gosh. A black artiste himself. So we talked
2: about in this interview just what his process was in terms of finding himself, finding his art, being, again, another fellow queer person of color in the South, right? Mm-hmm. And just also having to find those mentors. You know, when you're in an art program, you're, getting, you're usually the only one. How do you celebrate diversity and incorporate and push your own narrative in a sea of whiteness?
0: He also highlighted that you also have to just walk into the situation knowing yourself as a brown person, because you don't, if you don't know yourself, if you only go by the stories you've been told, then you won't be able to uh, express yourself through your story. Your story won't come across. So that's something that another trial, and that's what I'm trying to reinstate with my writing as we go into White Dunder Productions with our, hopefully, TV pilot, if New mean, never gets it together... Um, Yeah, that's tea. That's true tea. Cut the camera. Dead ass.
2: (laughs) Absolutely. So as we wrap up this episode, what are our takeaways for our fans? Our only Only fans.
0: fans. Um listen to it because i i really like i said expresses the truth i do believe that as people of color creatives we have to put we just have to force ourselves in the narrative uh what lizzo pointed out with the imposter syndrome is true it's hard to see yourself in the space and like be a star sometimes when you haven't had an example to express it or see it happen successfully Seven to your power,
2: throw yourself, as Idina Menzel sings in Frozen 2, now available in the
0: theaters, because you... By the time of this schedule, honey, it might be on DVD, <laughs> what this episode is. Let's be real here. It's so easy to
2: interrupt people though As people of color, you have to really know yourself and throw yourself into these stories because you're unique, and there's not in representation for so many of our narratives, and the only way we're going to grow and understand each other more is to push these narratives. So we really have to support our local artists. We have to support um, independent work that may not be mainstream, may not be as high quality, but definitely gives light to the realities of our world.
0: If we don't take back our narratives, then we, are, we keep falling victim to stereotyping, and they keep having the power to write, our stories.
2: Right. And we again have to be aware of what are influencing us because I remember I was reading a screenplay called Sour Cherries right. in 2016.
0: Go ahead, yeah. I wrote it okay, so I wrote a TV show that took me about ten years to write and it it did. I worked on that show for ten years, y'all. Yes. Yeah, okay. Y'all you are such a hateful first of all, you write hundred and seventy five pages. Please, please. have it's called Masters. <laughs> And it's a sheet of paper, Paper. <laughs> it's a sheet of paper. Do you, do you even have it framed? I don't know what that thing is. Exa- exactly. I don't know what my diploma is either. So... I didn't graduate. Anyway. Bye. Um, no. So I worked on this TV show, and this is a perfect example. I didn't know myself that well, and I was just mimicking, rewriting the shows that I was watching at the time. So at the time, I was watching *Wintry Hill, Gossip Girl, a All o. terrible shows. All terrible right? shows. And so mine was basically that... Regurgitated with people of color, so their voices weren't fully there. Um, so when we first met, you know, almost four years ago. Oh my god, it's like almost our anniversary. Because <laughs> We didn't move here until like
2: April. Ah. Oh my god, where are we going? You taking me out? Oh yeah, we're going to Wingstop. Wingstop. You're taking me to Odyssey cruise. Sponsor us.
0: Oh, I think we did. Oh my god, we could take our another cute picture there. <laughs>
2: So I, I I was seeing this screenplay, and I'm a obviously an English major, uh-huh. a credited uh, critic, uh-huh. and just overall better
1: at everything than most people. Where's this going? Um,
0: yeah, we're keeping this. This is gold. <laughs> this is gold.
2: <laughs> no, so when I when I came up here and Raffy shared his his screenplay, which again was. We just met each other, and you're really proud of it, so I I do want to commend your vulnerability um, because that was such an open step to our friendship. But anyway, I was going through, and I was just noticing that there was not a lot of realities when it came to those people of color, you know what I mean? And that is what I was missing, that that soul, our our essence, essentially.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And at that time, like I said, I was... Dating white people, I was hanging out with a lot of white people, and so it's not
2: negative. We just want to say to be in these spaces or anything. It's just realizing how much of yourself you are allowing to express. Yeah, how much of and what your actions are, are, how they're really affecting. Yeah, others' views. Like, do you? Are you a representation of not only yourself, but of your culture, regardless of if you want to be or not? Because that's just the reality of the situation. And is your experience in helping others understand the world around them? That's how we can help.
0: So as you smoke a good bowl... If If
2: that's between two.
0: Or drink a good glass of wine. Or just have a good yoga
2: pose. Am I right? Down
0: with dog... Oh, I didn't know that's Nunu's favorite (laughs) position. And the tree (laughs) downward. Is that your grander name? (laughs) Tina the tree. Tina the tree. The tree with some Tina in it. Do you know what that means? Um, Tina. Yeah,
2: math. Um, opioid. Epidemic uh, is happening across the world as well. Yeah. But so is art and more representation in media. Great. So, with that being said, listen to the love of my life, Prince, talk about his journey with art and his passion for the future.
0: And don't be afraid to express yourself. My name is Raffi.
2: And I'm New y'all. And this is Wait, Don't Do It. <laughs> Cut.
0: Cut the cameras. Cut. Turn us. <laughs> Let's get animated. It's Rafi.
2: And I'm here to introduce my only source of validation. It's your girl New new Paris, y'all.
1: Minasan Mata shinai de wait, Do dektaze. And this is Way don't, don't Do
2: it. it. The show we tell you to
0: wait.
2: introduce my one and only love, Prince. Hi.
1: I had a good side. What's up? Uh, hi. Hi. Hi everyone. So what did you say in that intro, Prince? Uh, I said, hi everyone, welcome. It's Prince. Welcome back to Wait, don't do it. Wait, don't do it. That is fierce. because we are international. Watashi
2: wa nihongo kanasu hautega. God, he gets said, it wrong said, uh, every time. Said, uh,
1: but we, you get the joint. No, we don't. <laughs> they, they don't we get the joint. Absolutely. Either, Prince. Don't. We'll edit it out. Anyway, Prince, welcome. I know it's been a long time coming. I've been backstage since episode one of season one, so you know I'm a legacy.
0: A very anticipated episode, I know, for New New Paris. <laughs> Why we say that, Rafi? Because uh, you're gonna hear Nunu say it several times in this podcast. My, my boyfriend. boyfriend, my boyfriend, <laughs> my one and only, and my other half. My <laughs> <laughs> other half. A whole read.
2: Though. A whole read. Um, but yes, Prince has been helping us in, since the beginning in terms of you know ideas, design, and just helping us set up equipment. So we are just really, really thankful for him to be here to talk about. Art, art and design
0: art, and being so. on the other side of everything.
2: <laughs>
1: right. Being on the, the reverse, si- reverse side of the world, we see it so differently. <laughs> well, how does it feel being in front of the mic versus behind the computer making art? I mean, this isn't my first time behind a mic. Me you have bro- a podcast, right? We only did four episodes, but that's a okay. Oh, my God, though. My friend, my girl, Audrey, who I did that podcast with, she's going to be up here around like June living here. So I'm like super excited to see her. She's literally like my twin sister. What's the podcast called? Oh, it was called. Oh my God, I already forgot. Coffee time. i say it's Coffee, coffee yeah. time. combos. Let's bring it back. Let's do a collab when she's up here. Oh my God, we'll have to. What's your name? Audrey. Audrey, you hear she's that? She's a black girl. Sagittarius she's a sister. Great, yes. Shout
0: out to my Sag sister, Audrey. <laughs> Let's do it.
2: Yes, yes. But this goal of the interview <laughs> is you to girls not
0: only- jump into the episode. <laughs> we gotta
2: keep it on point. Okay. The goal of the interview today is to discuss not only the lack of POC representation. In media, but also what factors lead to resilience in the face of underrepresentation? And because Prince is an artist, um, a black artist, um, he definitely understands. <laughs> he understands
0: uh, being underrepresented
1: in not, art and not oh. being seen. Oh yeah, I mean, I've all I always make it as a joke. I always am backstage, and I feel that's kind of how I have to live. But you know, I just like my craft. Well, I like let's the go. Craft of it.
0: Let's go to the beginning. First of all, who are you and
1: where did you where you where you from, Prince? Oh God, that is read right off the paper, girl. You
0: could have answered that part. First of all, first of all, first of all, You see, this is why Prince and noodle are just gonna tag TV in front of this microphone,
1: and we ain't doing that. This bitch has been reading <laughs> from that thing. No, too. listen, you have me in my professional mode right now. The Virgo is gonna come <laughs> out. I'm not sorry. So get better, just, just get better, honey. So okay. So, Fine. Let's retake
0: that then. (laughs) (laughs) Prince. Oh my God! I'm so excited. So how about how about you tell us where you're from? Where where
1: did it all start? Tell us the beginning of that journey. Okay. The prequel bridge. Well. Okay. Mukashi, Mukashi. A long time ago in. Durham, North Carolina, <laughs> I popped out of my mother's vagina and said I have one purpose in this life and that's to make art and play video games and nothing else because I just don't want to do anything Ooh, the else. the
2: myth, the legend. So you're from
1: East? No, I'm from East Durham. Yeah! Really. <laughs> East Durham, shout out Bull City, honey. And I'm from Bougie, Upper Durham. That by my South Point. South Durham, honey. And then, I mean, eventually I lived in my mom and my I guess stepdad, but they lived in this million dollar house in Cary which, I mean, I couldn't stand because it was a big-ass house and I don't like those kinds of places, but, you know, a lot of people would be like, damn, Prince, you got it set up, and I'm like, I know, but I kind of, like, don't care, but also I need it, and it's complicated, you know?
0: Interesting. So is that where you're kind of interest in art came as a distraction, as a way of escapism? Or Where did did that start?
1: Honestly, my escapism was more from video games than it was from art, because, I mean, when times were tough, I would always turn to video games, because, I mean, my dad was always a gamer. He worked in the gaming industry. Shout out to the Coalition Gears of War 5, motherfuckers. Yes. But, um... Yeah, I mean, it started with him. He got me into video games. My first video game ever was Sonic R, which everyone knows is this terrible game with kind of the best music ever. It's true. Yeah, it's really good. But uh, yeah, it started with Sonic, and then because of him, I even got interested in art. I always was like, I want to try to draw the comics. And my dad was like, all right, let me kind of teach you the basics of how to draw. And then it started there, and... My creativity has blossomed so much because I even feel like I've evolved past just being an artist. Now I feel like I've transcended into this urban renaissance persona that's like, I like writing, I like all kinds of art. I don't feel like I'm just limited to... Like my own little crappy craft, but I can do animation, graphic design, motion graphic design, filming, photography, sewing. There's just so many fields I like. He's applying <laughs> to RuPaul's Drag Race. Sewing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> if, if only I liked wearing makeup, but I can't stand it. First of all, you would look great in drag because I, I said. their body is snatched. I know. I, mean, I would be. I'm, I'm a fishy queen in a bear's body. Yeah. I mean, I'm a, sorry. I'm a fishy queen. I'm a fishy and a twink body, okay? I didn't want this. I know. When Prince crosses her
0: legs, she has (laughs) sugar in those tanks, girl. You know she's feminine fish when she crosses her legs. (laughs) So um, I can't help
1: it. It's the Virgo. We just have to be
0: above
2: everything, honeys. (laughs) So, Prince, you're gonna work on Daddy Prince, um, working on a sponsorship. Daddy, 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 well, Daddy Prince tell Daddy Prince
0: the Fourth, put some Daddy on Prince
2: that. the Fourth, who works at Microsoft and you know got these video game money. You know, we need some we need some advertisement space, you know, get a Microsoft logo, be that you're,
0: bitch. You're literally trying to hustle your man.
2: You really are <laughs> not gonna get Prince that art.
0: Don't
1: talk to all legal Help us. Also in all legal
2: <laughs> <laughs> contracts, there's no way this is gonna be. No gonna way, get out no like way. That. But so what does art really mean to you? So you talked about you know your dad getting you really into it, and learning a lot of uh, methods and mythologies for art. (laughs) Um, But I want to know what art as a concept kind of just means to you.
1: It's weird, because I feel like my art brain is so different from my real-life brain. I feel like normally I'm very pragmatic to the point. I'm very sturdy and stubborn, but in my imagination, I'm just kind of like, It's kind of just a party that never turns off, and even when I'm like doing something else, my brain will always be like, what's that party up to? And I don't know. I feel like it's such a weird thing, because I'll talk to so many artists, and and it's always kind of this focus on getting big and stuff, and I mean, I had that pursuit at one point, but now I kind of feel like art for me is just my chance to make a mark on something.
0: Okay. So when Art was in so when like video games art design was introduced to your father, was that
1: um, well, an interest? Or? Well, it's really funny. He it's not like he it's not like it was a professional his actual degree is in psychology. Oh, okay. I, I love your parents. Yeah, yeah. No, my mom has a degree in psychiatry. But well, she did to get a degree in psychology, so she got a degree in psychiatry. <laughs> I mean, that is true. But <laughs> I think tell, she got but, but, <laughs> but I think she got her undergraduate degree in biomedical engineering. Oh, so that's what I think. I am i don't know. I guess this interview about my in the, parents. They were on the chancellor's list, girl. <laughs> okay, I know. Say it louder. Go, 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 I mean, I'm recording this. I home? apologize.
2: No, no, it just doesn't get sad. Um, <laughs> What were you saying? No, do
0: Um, no, so, But, like, was art. <laughs> Shut up. (laughs) No, so was the art uh, also a way for you to, like, bond with your father and kind of, like...
1: (laughs) Ironically, no. (laughs) (laughs) He was, like, the jump off, and then... He's, like, the person who just threw me in the pool, and I was, like, oh, I got it. (laughs) Okay. Like, he doesn't even do art anymore. Like, he stopped art long after... I even... Long before I even got interested in it, so... So, what age do you think it was elementary? You were starting doing doodling, middle school? Element, not doodling. Elementary. <laughs> it starts at doodling, though. You don't just make... I mean... I mean, it was definitely elementary, third grade. I have this, like, distinct memory that's, like, kind of a trauma, but it was like, I... Was drawing and I drew this awesome picture of Knuckles from Sonic because the I th- red one. Yes. yes, I was drawing Knuckles and I thought it was really good. But also, I had like a test that day and I like failed it. So my mom ripped up the drawing and it was really difficult for me for a long time because. She was really about education and, like, getting good grades. And I was like, I get that. And, yeah, school's not really difficult for me to get good grades. But I don't really care. I just want to make art. How did that,
0: like, like, what did that mean to you when she did that? Like, I couldn't imagine what this was for a child. Like,
1: honestly, what that tells you. I honestly don't know what it meant. I, knew, I know now what it means, why she did it. And, yeah. I mean, I get it. I get it from her perspective. But I know me as a little kid was just like, is it hideous?
2: No. And
1: now I kind of weird have this weird complex where I do... I do try to do things to impress my mother. Because yeah. she's very difficult to impress. But also, she's supportive, so it's weird. I have this weird... Re- it's complex. A lot of my feelings in my past are so complex. Well, I'm glad you're here. Did you find that your classmates enjoyed your art? Oh, yeah. I, in high school... I didn't get best artist, but I was, like, number two. It was me and my best friend Derek. He won. Wait, how long have you been friends with Derek? 13 years. Bitch. So, I mean, we've known each other since sixth grade, and we hated each other. But then, like, ninth grade, I treat him to Burger King, and then after that, we, we've, been in, we've been best friends. Oh. It wasn't that difficult. Boys are really easy to be friends with. This is true. Yeah. Once they fight, it's kind of just like, whatever. So I'm wondering, you know, you
2: talked earlier that you are a writer and an animator and a graphic designer and everything else producer. under the sun. Right? Producer for what we don't do. It. I am a
1: producer.
2: <laughs> um, so when do you think these talents specifically manifested? Like, um, when did you start noticing that writing was something that was very interesting for you?
1: I'm not going to lie. I... I did always, I have distinct moments where I remembered writing when I was younger, and it was, like, writing scripts of, like, movies I would seen and, like, seeing if I could break them down. I do have that mentality that's, like, when I find something that's interesting, I like to break it down into small pieces mm. and use it for my own, so I guess my mindset is kind of deconstructive in that way. Right. But, I don't know, I think it's just different points... Like, things showed up, like, college really forced me to, like, get outside of my comfort zone, and, like, the first thing they had me do was working with, like, cardboard and making structures out of that, and I'm like... That's a glamour, honey. Oh, oh, listen, I was the worst at that. No, No, I was the worst at that. I got called out for it in my class for being the worst at it, but, like... That at the end of that year, the project I had been waiting for the whole time was, like, the animation project, and I remembered getting that project, and I remembered showing it to everybody in my class, and, like, my professor and everybody were impressed, they were like, Prince, your animation is so good! Wow, this is, like, the best thing you've produced! I'm like, yeah, because I'm a fucking animator, you stupid bitch! <laughs> I was yeah. so angry. I was like, yeah, because you put me through this entire hell for the project that I came here to do because I know what I can do. But well, you
2: went to college for a degree in new media, yeah. but you had, went to a predominantly white college. So what experiences was like, like at, Ooh, a, at a black a
1: artist in yes. a
2: predominantly white area in North like. Carolina?
1: Well, first of all, it was weird because I really didn't get woke until like, around the time I graduated was when I really started to understand sociology and kind of how things work on a systematic level, but I would definitely reflect on a lot of moments in college where I'm like, yeah, I can tell a lot of these people are calling me out on my crap, not because it's the worst, but because I'm the only black person in this class because even to the point where the one TA i had that year she was the other the only other black person in that room and she was even like yeah they're doing a little too much i'm like yeah yeah so i mean i had to fight for a lot and honestly growing up i actually didn't know how much mom how much work my mom did cuz they cuz i was always in like aig gifted programs cuz i am really smart Okay. but there were times where the school wanted to take me out of it not because my grades were slipping but because I was black and my mom would go up in those schools and cuss out everybody she didn't give a fuck yeah. so I'm mean, i like Erica we have a complex relationship but girl <laughs> you pulled through it's
2: definitely necessary I mean in general I would say I work in education but you know there, there's such a high uh, disproportionate number of black kids especially black males in special education and the things they do to like, try to attract kids and be put them in just certain boxes is astounding in, in the most terrible way, especially in, like, a southern, more white area like you were.
1: Yeah, I know, arguably. I mean, if people really heard how I really sounded when I talk about shit, like, I'll be like, man, fuck white people. I don't give a fuck about white people's opinions, even though I am just, like, happy and pleasant and surrounded by them all day. And it's like, yeah, I got it, no problem. But I know deep down I have to that like, Am I just a fucking performance monkey for you people? Because I'm definitely better and more brilliant than that.
0: Well, that's interesting. Is there a part of you that kind of draws and creates like your screenplays,
1: all that, for an audience? Or is it more for yourself? It's for myself because it's weird. I, am all, I know that there are plenty of artists that do commission work. We've all done it. We, I hated it. And I absolutely couldn't stand it. And it was weird because it wasn't that my skills were faulty. I always thought for a long time, it was like, maybe I'm just not good at them. But it's like, no, you're fine. It's literally like, people have terrible ideas and I think my ideas are just genuinely more interesting. Yeah. So I feel, following like, my perspective is the most interesting thing that I find to put on paper. Did
0: you notice? I don't know what kind of classes you had. In, you went to NC State, right? Yes. Um, I remember in my... Put blast, girl. <laughs> real, real talk, USCG too. Uh, our creative program was shit uh, at USDG. No, I mean,
1: now listen. <laughs> I real talk. Real our English mean, program was really great. I'm sure. No, I we mean, had great programs. The design program there was like, it's famous. Like it was, yeah. It's a good design no, I, school.
0: On who, my, my thing is on whose standards because I remember be, sitting around these round tables learning um. about everything
1: Everyone else's project. Uh, this is my favorite thing, standards and art, because Talk I... Talk about it. Cause fuck standards in art. Yeah, fuck really. standards in art. I remember, like, like I'm so sick that s- society is so stringent on the rules of things that we've made. That now originality is so dead. Because everything we make now is just a remake of something a long time ago. And I'm like, where's the original stories? I remember sitting around in
0: these roundtable talks in uh, at USCG and people like coming up with the same stories, same concepts, same prompts for every screenplay they were writing. And then again, when it came to my stories, they didn't understand them. Anyways, I was writing a story about, like, what Pose is now. I was writing about the uh, ball scene. Cameron. Oh, let me just call you out. Let me just call you
1: out. Doo-doo. I know. This is, this is also Doo-doo. one of those weird situations, too. because No, I get why Cameron pose. is kind of cringing. Pose. Pose. I I'm like <laughs> pose. Beyonce. Beyonce. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Honey, that's not... I wrote a, I wrote a film. My, my One of my final projects. You mean Riverdale? <laughs> That's what you wrote, a bitch. <laughs> I can't even drag this bitch because I'm on national television, Cameron. Television, hold though. So. Come on now. So, I if my graduation project uh, was about the ball scene, and no one really understood. You're lying. Your project, sour cherries. <laughs> that was my graduation project. I had a screenplay project, Aww. and it was a short film about the ball scene in New York City. Oh, I know it. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Stop bullying me. <laughs> now that she got her man, y'all, you're seeing the real new person. <laughs> She's a catty-ass
1: bitch. <laughs> and if you didn't notice, I don't need that many lines. <laughs> All right, so, one more time.
0: So, it's interesting. I'm glad you I'm glad you want to talk about standards, because by whose standards? I remember sitting in the round tables of uh, my screenwriting class, and one of our projects was to come up with a short film, and I wrote it about the ball scene. and yes. Like, Again. Yes. <laughs> Okay, keep going. Um, um, thank keep thank going. you for the support. Just um, ignore her. Just keep going. Just keep going. And, um, and again, this is before Pose. So like before the ball scene was even a thing, before people, like mainstream people knew even what drag queens were. This was probably around season seven of RuPaul's Drag Race. So again, still early on there. And people just had a lot to say about my scripts, but then everyone else was writing the same kind of script. A horror movie about a man who's going crazy. A movie about a girl not knowing herself at the age of 28. Like, the same kind of stories.
1: I mean, and, I mean, it's true. I mean, when you think about it, a lot of the most, I wouldn't say prolific, but a lot of the most famous writers tended to be white and male, yeah. and I've obviously there are plenty of female writers too, but a lot of female writers had to go under male pseudonyms so that they could obviously, like, be sold better, so obviously, yeah. over history, like, and this isn't just our society, this is like, human history has always been like that, plenty of female, like, People didn't believe that Mary Shelley actually wrote Frankenstein, and a lot of people still to this day don't acknowledge it as a science fiction novel, because that's what it is. It's science fiction. Mm -hmm. And she wrote arguably the first science fiction novel ever. Yeah. And I'm like, no one gives her credit for that. And, And I mean, I'm a reader. I like reading. My favorite works are anything Sir Arthur Conan Doyle has penned for Sherlock Holmes. I'm a big fan of mysteries. And... But when it comes to standards, I know where the greats come from, and I see it, and I see a lot of people instead of trying to take the greats and push it further or give it their own kind of flavor, they tend to just kind of barf we it back it, yeah. up. And I'm kind of, and that's where I get into things. Like I could have this weird argument about why I think the monomyth is the worst thing ever created, and the monomyth is like a basic standard of storytelling by like having the story broken up to specific parts. Because I do get it from a writing perspective at the time that it was made, because at the time it was a lot of hero novels and it was like this is the way you write a hero but at the same time it's enclosed people so much that now like people seeing anything besides the norm is generally seen as bad or like terrible but when I look at things I don't try to look at it from what's come before I try to look at it for what it Where'd is. Go? And especially because I know a lot of stories especially like ones that are very niche and underground tend to be more realistic and come from people that are marginalized and they tend to have a more interesting viewpoint because of that. Mm-hmm. So I do kind of hate that we're in this stuck in this nostalgia remake culture where I'm like where's the original ideas because now most original ideas are either being shut out or unnoticed there's no nuance to it yeah but I mean it's still getting better like this morning we could watch Cartoon Network and see Victor and Valentino and they like are talking all about Latino Mesoamerican culture and folklore Mm -hmm. and it's really good but I also hear like no one ever talk about it as a show so I'm just like I mean, sure, a part of it can be people don't watch cartoons very much, and animation is one of the most underrated art forms. But ever. no, because, you know, but, I don't want to watch Teen Titans but, Go, right? But And yeah. true, but also, Teen Titans Go is so weird for me, because I used to be on that hate train, but Teen Titans Go is a fucking fantastic, hilarious show, and you're everybody. Welcome. Need, you're what? Thank you. <laughs> but. But. Yeah, I well, think I think that kind of got me, I think it was part of partly you that got me out of that kind of structural mindset and allowed uh, me to see things from like different perspectives in that sense cuz I always had a really in-depth sense but I was like I did realize I lacked a lot of the life experience to understand why certain things are the way they are and that's why now I look at a lot of writing and stories and I'm kind of just like Ugh. Because it's just like, we've seen it before. I'd rather see somebody come up with something really endearing and interesting. Mm-hmm. And more when I deem something as good or bad, I more focus on the technical aspects like how was it written? How was it paced out? Like what like how did the writer use words? They use metaphors that made sense. Like I look at it from literally a structural standpoint, because I feel like narrative wise narratives have always been told by people and people can just make shit up so i'm just like if the narrative's good i don't think it has to meet any standard we can just look at it from a syntactical objective standpoint rather than being like this is bad writing because this character wouldn't realistically do this i'm like humans realistically make dumb emotional decisions so like you could rationalize anything so i don't know why we try to rationalize everything when it's like you're trying to rationalize this one point but there can also be a million different rationalities and that's something
2: that I I encourage more people that's something I know me and you do of course all the time Um, and when I started dating prints, you know, we, we kind of blended our artistic mindsets because, you know, I'm a, a creative, I say, because I can't, like, draw or do shit, but I can, you know, work it out.
1: Yeah, um, I always had original sure. ideas, but, but I always had the kind of technical skills that... But
2: we we practice kind of doing what you're saying, trying to deconstructing things, you know. I am a lover of all things terrible. Um, and things can be enjoyable even if they're terrible. It's just more about, like, what elements about it are enjoyable. I don't, I don't really look for things that have to be this perfect perfect Oscar-winning, award-winning kind of screenplay or a concept, but just look for something that's entertaining, something that's either different, something they try experimenting um, on a a new idea, uh, so that gives the audience a different experience.
1: I mean, I think a part of it, too, is just people need what I like to call critical autonomy, because often people will judge something based on what other people say, so like mm-hmm. they'll like look at re- a review, and somebody said, like like a good example is the Kill a Kill game, for example. Most people and gaming outlets were like, this game's pretty mediocre and terrible and really bland. But I'm like, for my experience playing it firsthand, I'm like, it was pretty in depth, and sure the roster was small, but it's definitely like a good game. I don't think this should be piled as a bad game because you didn't understand it fully. So I'm really – it's weird because I'm very critical, but I also am critical of other critics because yeah. I tend to be the type – if I'm going to be critical of something or teach somebody something, I need to make sure I really understand it to, like, such a deep, nuanced level that I could explain anything to somebody about it.
0: How do you think that, that – how do you think that – oh, my God, I had a good question because I'm going off the script now. Oh, yeah. So how did all these... Uh, how did... How has this kind of culture with remakes and kind of the slowdown in creative process... How did that like kind of stifle your creative process?
1: It never did. Oh, bitch. It never okay. did. I've always been very... I've always been very true to my own originality and ideas. And I mean, especially... As like a like queer and colored writer, mm. I'm not gonna go by white people standards because that's not what I live. I'm gonna mm. live my own ridiculous, dumb white black gay fantasy. Yeah. When did that start? Did you ever? Did that ever? So down uh, I never a had a problem with my original ideas. Oh, yeah. I never. I never had moments where I'm like, "This is a bad idea." I mean, I'll have moments where I'm like, "Maybe this could not be very good," but I've never been the type who stuck away from my ideal. You're also very, I guess I would say the
2: term is patient, just because you have. Uh, I don't want to get into the details of the title or whatever, but you know, we you have a project that you've been working on since how long?
1: I mean. If you want to know when the original idea was ideated, that was back in middle school. Right, and now but, when you started
2: writing and designing characters. character, that was high school, right?
1: Honestly, it's weird, because I've gone back and forth with that story so much, and it wasn't really until I moved up here that I really was like, I'm going to pound it out. I'm not going to sit and let this idea stir in my head. I'm just going to fart it out in some way. I mean, the hard part, too, was... I think for me, the hardest part was not so much getting the idea out there as much as it was, what kind of format should I do? Because I'm like especially growing up I was like I'm gonna be an animator I'm gonna do this but also the industry is like physically impossible to get into unless you're in specific areas so I'm like well I could be defeated and be like well this won't happen or I could be a Virgo and pragmatic and be like well I can just change the format into something I can pound it out as and eventually maybe it'll get there but I think it's just more important to make it than it is like how perfect it is I think creation itself should just be the factor in what makes you make something
2: absolutely I know you know as Rafi's done screenwriting and play this is. Important to write for yourself because as people of color, you know, we want to break into the you know the mainstream and the media. Um, but yeah, like you said, a lot of these places are in, you know, in the California's New York's, so and there's some little places around um, in the south that may have some animation studios or just media studios, but then as people of color, how do we get our voices out there? Because we can't do the normal, you can't mm-hmm. write a regular nine oh two Riverdale kind of show mm-hmm. and expect it to be, you know, the same when we have totally different experiences experiences.
0: I think uh, I mean, like I said, I right now I'm, I'm kind of in this writer's block because I'm I'm impressed that you've never like kind of f- have been s- felt that slowdown in the creative. I mean, process. I
1: feel slow down, but uh, I also know that it's a process. It's not something that's straightforward, and yeah. it's like and it's like I mean, I expected to have the whole at least draft of my script done by like now, but mm. I'm probably about fifty percent of the way done. But at the same time, I could beat myself up for that, or I could just be like, well, it's a process. It's good. I'm. Mean, it's not going to meet my expectation and honestly the story has transformed so much over the time of creating it and like drafting and redrafting that i mean it's developed into its own story in itself
0: well i started out writing what i would watch in tv so my first tv show as Nunu pointed out was called sour cherries and it was kind of like if orange like orange and new black uh wentry hill met like Ninety two one oh with people of color in there, but what did it still have like a white perspective, 100, percent and the dialogue was not gen- like it was very generic. Oh yeah,
1: I mean yeah, but also because I can
0: not relate to that those stories, I was just forcing myself in those stories. But I mean, also it is true,
1: people write what they know. Yeah, and so and it's now, hard to write something different when it's not really known. And I think a part of it to answer your question is how do we get our voices heard? It's we have to project them. Like, there's no one who's going to... Make our own get, standard.
0: We're, yeah. Like, well, that's why I'm trying to relearn. That's why, I, like I said, I'm kind of taking a break. And I'm glad this podcast has kind of reshaped my perspective. And we're doing a more narrative piece, especially for season two, because that's my thing. I'm having to recreate and rethink about how I'm telling stories now. Like, they're for me. And kind of reshaping that. I was actually thinking about doing a master class. Have you ever taken, like, a master class? Or Never. something that's been, like, to help you kind of get out of that I have a,
2: a pre-PhD master class that I teach.
1: Oh, my God. I'm we're joking. not going to talk about yeah. We'll show you that later. Don't
0: worry, we won't talk about that.
1: <laughs> it's not real. <laughs> it's not real, girl. I mean, I. It's weird. I've. It's strange because I wish Derek would better help me answer this question because he does take a lot of like life drawing classes and stuff. And I'll be honest, I was never the type to be like, I'm gonna go to this class. I'm just kind of like. I'm just going to wing it and give it my best. And I know that's, like, such a weird, risky, and anti-Virgo way of doing things. Uh-huh. But also, at the same time, I guess a part of it is also in that sense. Like, I'll talk to Derek, and I'll realize the kind of benefit I have of not going to a bunch of master classes is I'm not projecting a standard. So, no. thusly, I'm more free to create ideas that haven't been seen so Mm. you know I feel like I feel like there's drawbacks and benefits to doing both I do think there's such a thing as being too disciplined yeah like when you're too disciplined you're too rigid so I want you to describe to us and the
2: world at large from our critically acclaimed podcast. Um, not the not the not the
0: scuff, not the scuff. Prince is dragging us right now in front of us. I know. Um, I'm sorry. I can't. We have a couple. We have a couple reviews on no, iTunes. I mean, Prince. <laughs> <laughs> we have three critically acclaimed podcasts. Four, are four stars us? right now. Okay, calm
2: down. Honey, <laughs> we we want to uh, us to describe. Drop your drag to us.
1: Your art. Like what? Oh uh, what, what do people? What do you want people to take from it? And where can they find it so they can take something from it? Oh, my God. Well, first of all, you can find me on Instagram at prince underscore go to sleep. That's hilarious. Where did that come from? Uh, Well, I mean, I used to have a really complex name that eventually became so cringy that I was just like I'm done I used to and, call you Komoshi Yoshi or something but, <laughs> and then I just got to the point where I'm like what the fuck am I doing my name is hilarious and amazing and I'm just gonna put me in it so I'm just like Prince and then what do I feel I'm like I just wanna go the fuck to sleep yeah. <laughs> and that's just where the name came from but my art itself it's weird i think the best way to put it is i'm gonna take a sample lyric from beyonce's move forever i'd be like soul food i am a whole mood (laughs) that's what i like to define my art as it's a mood when you made it's its its own mood that's the thing when you were... <laughs> when, well, I like, said, I'm not defining a girl.
0: <laughs> no, for me, it's more of a, like, okay, so you made me, for my birthday, that amazing lion, kind of Lion King Spirit moment. I love it. Uh, so, what kind of... And when I saw it, I was like, I could tell that Prince made it, but what's that perspective? Kind of look into that. What's that perspective? When, when I see something, I can tell it's yours. So,
1: I mean, obviously, I'm inspired by anime. If you've seen my art, you know that. But I like to take that weird kind of make-it-wild-out-there-and-loud mentality of anime into things that aren't even anime. That's why like, I'll do a spirit thing, but instead of just making it black and white and try to make it like the same thing, I'm going to throw a bunch of rainbows and building silhouettes in there because I think that's bold. I think that's urban. I think that's modern. I feel like that's a personality that something will look at. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think really I just... My art is bold, and I like it to be bold and original. It's an anime. Anime. I love anime. So I want to know, now that you said that, so what are your main inspirations? Let's start
2: in general about arts, because I know anime is going to be one of the inspirations. But yeah. then i like you to kind of discuss, if there are any people or color artists that you see in mainstream media or just media in general that you like? But I'll let you start with your first inspirations for art.
1: I mean... I guess, oh, this is a difficult question. When it comes to artists of color, it's really hard because it's hard to find any. I mean, there's, like, LaShawn Thomas who made Cannon Busters, and sure, I think Cannon Busters is a little bit generic, but I do respect LaShawn Thomas as, like, one of the few animators of color to really make it far in Japan, and you can see a lot of his work in the boondocks, which is... Great! Oh, that's who did that? Yeah. Oh. He did the like kickball scene. So yeah, he did. He worked with Young Kim on the kickball oh, cool. scenes. So, I mean, and he did th- a lot of work. I mean, and I mean, they're like a lot of my inspirations are a lot more indie and out there. Like, like one of my favorite artists and animators right now is this little t- they have a Twitter account. Their name is Allegra Town. I know they're an art. I know that they're an animator of color. But I'm also like, no one ever talks about them, but I like how they animate, because I think it's really stylish and unique. I guess I really, I think a lot of my inspirations are a lot more indie and unseen. Just like weird little animators on Twitter or like people who have made it that I've been following since I I was younger, like Tyson Hess, who does like the Sonic comics now and like did the opening to Sonic Mania. And he does all that stuff. And I remember back when he was making like boxer hockey which was his own little animated webcomic so i mean a lot of my inspirations have been like little webcomics and right and i mean obviously anime the biggest influence was studio gainax and hiroyuki maishi who did gurren lagon promare all that stuff i've always liked his frantic animation style i feel like it has is not so stuck in let's make everything as fluid as possible but rather like snappy and expressive rather than being a reflection of reality, let it just be an expression of like energy and the creator's just what he likes to make. He just likes to make wacky, dumb fight scenes with weird perspectives.
2: Right, and I, I love the the fact that when just being around you, we learn so much about the emotion that goes into it, because I know Rafi and other regular people will watch anime. Because, I mean, obviously, I'm a otoku, weed. Weed, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a nerd. If you guys don't know, I'm not a regular girl. Um, <laughs> no, but, like, there's obviously emotion, though, in effects and kind of the little lines and craziness that you see in art. And I, I think that's so interesting how we may see art form like anime or just that kind of that uh, genre as kind of just dumb and wacky and ridiculous but there is so much emotion and passion and,
1: and I mean there is I mean I could tell anybody right now go watch the best my favorite anime movie ever Madoka Rebellion and sure half the people will tell you it's trash because of its twist but I'm also like It's a beautiful art piece that I like coming back to because it's so subtle and full of, like, symbolism and detail that I'm like, every time I come back, I find something new. That's what I like. I like an art piece that can just be itself and have many different statements to make. That's why I say I don't really define it. It's kind of something that is of, like imagination. Right. There's a lot of different things and experiences and references that go into it, and I think the fun part is dissecting what all of those little pieces are, because I even say now, I don't know who inspires me directly anymore. There's honorable mentions, you know. There are um, honorable what, Who is the, uh,
2: who did Invader Zim movie? Johan Vasquez? Oh, yes. The person I, of color. Yeah, There. Yeah. Ian Jones-Corty.
1: Yeah. Even though I wasn't a big fan of OKKO, OK but I loved the Sonic episode. That was a he worked one. on a lot of like a Steven Universe, Adventure Time,
2: married to Rebecca Sugar.
1: Yeah, but I mean, I'll also talk about that when I think about Steven Universe, I think more about Rebecca Sugar than I do E Jones, Cordy though. This is true. Well, and even then I'll even be more specific and I'll be like remember Mindful Education Those was good in the Here Comes a Thought sequence oh yeah Yo-Yo Shinari from Studio Trigger did like that's what I'll be known very specific right now your I know my references
0: but something that I really want to like take away from this podcast because this is what I'm going through right now specifically with my art and my writing is how do you without the representation out there without the stories that kind of can galvanize to pick up a pen or pick up a uh, uh, color pencil, whatever we use to, <laughs> to make art clay, whatever it is um, how do we find that inspiration without it being reinforced in mainstream media how do we continue to shine that light how do you find that inspiration to pick like yes you have this story behind your head dwelling, like, if I don't put it down I'll never put it down, but what really can galvanize you in a different way to write uh. especially without all this media, the representation that we need.
1: It It's really weird, because I would say that, but then my response would also be a lot of what I do now has come from my philosophy on originality, which is very much, I think pure originality, like pulling something completely out of nowhere, is dead. I feel like humanity's created everything we can kind of create under the sun, mm-hmm. and now originality's kind of taking all of those things and giving your own original flavor to it through life experience. Mm -hmm. So I do feel like life experience is a part of it, but I also say a part of it is kind of like you guys say, I throw out my references. I'm like, do your research. Like, like, don't just pull from read things. Read, ladies. Like, like, read books. Like, even read things that you don't like or, like, never had an interest in. Like, I never thought I'd like sewing, and I always thought sewing was stupid, but I kind of know how to do it. And, I mean, that's better than a lot of other people can say. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, sure, you could call me a jack of all trades, master of none, but, I mean, a master of all is pretty great. Power of
2: versatility, bitch. But I think it's hard to, like, continue as a person of color And your Um, art—not that we shouldn't do it—because I'm going to say fight and you know resist and push through it no matter what. But our our art and our media isn't valued. Like there's no reason. Well, that's a few. Well,
1: (laughs) I mean, I will kill you. I will kill you. (laughs) Oh my god, guys! I will kill you. Would you stop being childish? (laughs) Period.
2: Don't try, little boy. (laughs) Oh my god, can we... Anyway... Can we
1: asked the question,
2: we're gonna have to cut, like, all of that girl. girl. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I do think it's it's hard for us as people of color, and our art to continue, because some, so much of our media is not valued. There's no reason that the Parkers, that the girlfriends, that, you know, Proud family, but, like, and essentially any Latino show is not on Netflix or at Hulu or on things on demand. We have to do go through hoops to find things that you know speak to us, speak to our culture and our representative. You know, we just have to wait for it, and we 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 don't get to be on demand like Friends or Full House or whatever yeah. dumbass show. Who cares about? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, Seinfeld
0: coming next. I'm like Ugh, who Seinfeld cares? <laughs> what does Friends it do?
2: Sucks. They're all terrible. All sucks. I'm sorry if you like those, but they really do. They, they really do.
0: It, it no. sucks. <laughs> But
1: also, it's I can sorry. also, I can also, say, but I can sorry. also say this. Yeah, but you ain't never seen the parkers either, so. You well, know I mean? can also say it's also like a perspective thing. We definitely don't like those shows as much because we don't come from a white experience. I'm pretty sure and no know people of color in them. That's why we can't like them. Yeah, <laughs> that's <laughs> but their <I> mean, fault. <laughs> and I mean, and I mean, here's the generic SJW bullshit of yes, inclusion inclusivity is important in media. And if you were one of those people that saw Endgame and the female Avengers came up and you were like, that scene was so forced. Fuck you, because if that was all the B-rate male heroes like Black Panther, y'all wouldn't be saying shit. Yeah. It's sexism. It's what it is. I'm like, people just don't notice it. And I mean, it's so I mean it's so ingrained that no one sees it anymore. Mm-hmm. And I think a part of it and what kind of keeps me going is the fact that I'm aware that people don't notice it. That's why I make it. It's definitely an it, it, uphill battle. I mean, it's an uphill yeah. battle, and it's kind of one that I think I also have to put in the mindset that people seeing it while it's something I want, it's not the end goal. The end goal is just getting it done. Because even if it gets out there, somebody will find it and appreciate it. I don't even care if it's just one person. But it's like, you know, if this touched somebody, then that's it. I don't need the whole world to see what I make and see my story. But if people that appreciate and want to hear my story enjoy it that's more at the end of the day what's important for me I don't care in the end like what society's standards say of it.
0: How does, that make, how does that make you feel when you share your art and someone's like, oh my god, this is so beautiful? Oh my god, this is...
1: I mean, who doesn't like compliments? I like compliments. Yeah, but like. But what? I'm not one of the people who's stringent on other people's opinions of my work mm-hmm. to give me value.
0: But it definitely gives you that drive because I remember I would.
1: Not even, not even really. I also kind of. I like you.
0: <laughs> For me, when I was writing my TV shows, I could not wait to show my friends and re- have them
1: read my shows just because, it, like I said, it gives you like a. That that fantasy that people like I said oh my god can I call up all of my boys right now I'm gonna call all of my boys right now I've been uh, I've been asking them to do that since like August yeah please do and they haven't and of course for a while I was mad and I was angry but I think that experience also gave me the realization that I can't focus on other people's thoughts and opinions I have to be confident in the shit I make and in the end Art is kind of like that because there isn't a standard. Because we put a standard to it, that doesn't mean we have to live and, like, we die by that standard. Yeah. That's why I kind of think of my art as I don't see it as, this is going to be in the next museum. I'm just like, this is something I made, and I'm just putting it out there, and that's it by the end of the day. So what are your goals as Prince
2: the artist, the one who can do it all? Like, where do you see your craft going? Where do you want it to
1: go? It's weird because I see... I'm, like, guarded. I see, like, a billion different directions that I'd like to go, and I want to do them all. Like, I want to do, like, TV and radio and graphic design and animation and, like, screenwriting, get, like, a big movie deal. And, like, I want to do it all. That's why I kind of don't feel... I mean, I feel like a part of me is blessed that I'm not imprisoned into one style of thinking. All right, we love that. We're ambitious here. We are you doing? Yeah. Do that okay. Multifaceted. But...
0: No, but it's overwhelming because you don't know where to put your craft. And then people, when you're trying to live for a job, it's best to kind of have a certain focus.
1: But also I think about it that, like, art and life are very similar. They're a process that have their own way of going. And I think because of how everything is so structured, we think of there's one way to get to the goal ring. But in the end, there's many different ways to get to the same goal ring. And there's nothing wrong with changing goal rings. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with, like, you don't have to put heavy expectations on yourself, especially as an artist. I feel like the hardest part for a lot of artists is that we all just get really self-conscious and unconfident because we feel like it's trash, even if it's not. Mm -hmm. But in the end, it's just subjective. I think art is so subjective, we can't put definitions and labels to it. It's just the experience of who made it. And I am the and I admit I am that kind of person who I can separate the art from the artist because I know a lot of times artists don't always put themselves in their work. So I can kind of do that a lot easier than others. Mm. But I do like to try to see where those ideas and visions do come from. Mm. I feel like there's always some depth to an art piece, no matter how simplistic. It came from somewhere. I think I'm more interested in where that comes from. So what do you want
2: what would your ideal artist world be like for everyone else too?
1: Um, well first of all, get rid of fucking money, get rid of standards, let like people just be able to make whatever the fuck they want to make and let that just be it. Can we go so back socialism? Socialism. It's Liz like up. it's like can we get, like can we go back to the renaissance where like like, the artists of that time, Da Vinci, Raphael, Donatello, like, they, oh, were ma- they, they weren't making things during that time because they had to make money. In fact, they didn't even become famous until after they died. So I'm like, I try to think about, that's why I say urban renaissance, man. I think about it like that. It's just like, I'm just making it because... If I don't make it, who else will? Right. Like, that's it. Tell your story, ladies. That's what we always hear. We don't do it. So, I mean, I guess I wouldn't say... Even though I'm ambitious, I guess I'll say I'm one of those weird, ambitious people that doesn't have, like, this is my clear forward goal. I'm just kind of like, I kind of can do so many things that I just want to see where all the different routes go. I want to see all the different goals I can reach in my lifetime. If I could, like, just have a long list of things and just keep checking them off and working to get there. That's fine. Uh, we love it. And even if I don't make it, the process is fun in itself. So you know what? It's the journey, not the destination. And so
0: you know what? Question is coming up because we ask it to all our, our all our people, all our guests. But let's go back to your childhood when you first picked up that pencil.
2: I could like literally go and get a little baby picture of Prince.
0: Oh my oh god! Oh my god! Please let it be so cute too. Oh please, my god! Is so that with my mom in front of Mickey oh my god. Mouse? Wait, wait! It my is phone. it a picture of you, you, you and your mom? That's it gonna would be, be iconic.
1: Mouse. <laughs>
0: it's going to be you and Erica.
1: Oh, my God.
0: <laughs> Get that picture. Get the picture. I'm going to hold the picture, like, please. Like we're on RuPaul. All right, I'll be RuPaul, and you're the picture holder. <laughs> please, let me see it. Oh, my God, that is so cute.
1: I know, I was a really cute baby. You look that like, like so your cute. mom. No, they look so low. We they look alike, Literally.
2: Literally. <laughs> So okay. So what would you tell <laughs> little, little Princey Bear Kane? <laughs> Little Kane This is his family name That's what my
0: family called me oh, yeah, There, were so, crest, many, y'all. there like, were so many There were so
2: many princes
1: That we had to have new Also kids. we
0: have to have A fun round of questions Like like fun questions That don't really matter Because you have so
1: many like Fun facts about your family so. I have <laughs> just weird fun facts <laughs> That's true So what would you tell Little Kane Oh my god Jesus Christ! That jacket. Spears <laughs> is a fit, right? It's I know. Uh, oh God! I don't know. I want to cry. <laughs> Do it, bitch! Do it. <laughs> no, fuck you. It's oh my, my God! This is parallel. I'm your mom right now. Okay. Jesus Christ! <laughs> He's scared of her enough. What know? would I tell little Prince that isn't something that somebody has already said? Don't say something that already somebody else has already said. Come up with something original. That's <laughs> yeah, what don't I would re- tell him. Don't
0: remake it. Don't remake it.
2: But don't you re- tell him about you know art and really pursuing that passion, especially when you're younger. I mean, imagine your mom is yeah. This paper. Oh my god! I was gonna say, but this before or after? This before.
1: He did that in third grade. I can tell you, so happy though. <laughs> I'm so happy. I became a sad girl real quick. I and mean, the was middle good. in like sixth grade, I think it was about ten days into sixth grade, I became a bad girl I was just like I was saying fuck beep, beep. all the time <laughs> I was a, I was like all y'all fucking suck and then after like my first experience with Derek when we didn't get along he and all of his friends like jumped me we'll call it jump me they didn't really hurt me they just like threw me in the mud or whatever and I was just sad about nothing it nothing wrong with that now but I don't know after that even though me and Derek became friends, I'm not going to lie, there was a lot of pent-up aggression for years. Like, I would constantly hit him and, like, berate him, and I was probably, like, a terrible friend. Yeah. And, I mean, eventually I got to college, and I was like, wow, you're, like, a terrible person. You should, like, chill it out, and obviously I've gotten better, but I guess I would tell Little Prince, "Uh, stop being so damn emotional. It hurts to be you and think about you, but also I love you because you're me, so we're stuck together figure it out. You'll make it. Oh my god. Oh, the vulnerability is killing me. (laughs) I'm gonna die. I wanna die. That's what I wanna I wanna die. Oh my gosh. So,
2: we wanna say thank you for just being vulnerable and telling your story. So, as you all can see, Prince is super passionate, but also well-researched. He knows what he's talking about. He knows his stuff. And
1: he's motivated honey. Please study. Please, people read books. Don't be afraid to read books. I know I said that standards and things don't matter but also like you gotta know where things come from from, and also you gotta know how to write well like the only way you learn new words and better words is by reading reading. and honestly if there's something I like it's a person with a big vocabulary when I was younger I used to have questions about do I have the skills to get there and stuff but I think that was because I really lived by that societal standard of like this is what you have to do to be able to get into this place but also I think we're at such a point where like I'm not going to say entrepreneurship per se, but, like, that self-motivation has to be the thing to get artists out of the bed in the morning because it's a hard industry to get into. So how about instead of fighting a battle that's going to, like, drive you insane, why not make your own strike out be a union like make your own studio make your own projects yeah, like girls are Tyler Perry's in for doing it right Tyler Perry's doing it right indie. Like, now like indie is in Indie yeah. is in and should always be in like corporate get your fucking hands off of art stop it I literally want to stab corporate <laughs> It's how we're in the lips. Please, yeah, <laughs> fuck, bro. No. LLC Anyone who's an LLC can walk out the door. But I still need a paycheck, so we're not gonna leave that in the episode. Oh my god, please, maybe not sound like a garbage human being, because I just got a new job and I don't wanna be seen as a garbage oh, human well, being. Oh, well, yeah, she got a new job, so she's bugs. All right. So this has been your girl, New New Paris, y'all. And this has been Raffi. And Joan of Arc burning in a bear suit. Prince. This thing is really hot. I love that I chose to wear it, but also Ooh. it's so goddamn hot. Yeah, she got naked halfway <laughs> through the I did. I had to get naked, girl.
2: Uh, this has been another episode of Wait, Wait don't, don't do it. it. Say it in Japanese one more time. Mata
1: shinaibe. Wait, <laughs> don't be. do it.
2: Yes. yes. Uh, make sure to listen and subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, youtube and spotify we'll see you next time
1: ladies and go follow prince at go prince prince (laughs) Prince oh my god you can follow me on instagram at prince underscore go to sleep thank you